Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Alice, and this is Kill My Darlings, an interactive fantasy writing podcast. Now, have you seen a rabbit in a waistcoat? <laughs> Hello, I'm Hayden Rogers, and this week we're looking at the cosmology of Whipworld. Specifically, I mean religious cosmology, or a cosmological model. I'm guessing some people will be thinking, what is that? Well, I'll explain that in a minute. As always, my forever disclaimer, everything in this episode is subject to change, because that's kind of the whole point. Firstly, before we kick things off with some comments from the blog, I have a big announcement. Now that I've pumped out 13 episodes in the first six weeks of production, the podcast is moving to an alternating fortnightly model. So that just means that this week you're listening to an episode and next week you'll listen to the appendices. Um, You'll still get content every week, just spread out a bit more. There's a couple of reasons for this. Most importantly, I think the show will benefit from it. Believe it or not, it's actually a lot of work to keep producing two episodes every week. With everything else I've got going on, I'm just spreading myself a bit too thinly, and this will give me more time to actually write and engage with you guys, so at the end of the day, it's going to make the podcast better. On that note, on with the show. Something very cute happened on the blog this week. Alex, who is a high school teacher, happens to be teaching a creative writing unit or something to his year nine English class. At the moment, they are looking at setting the scene in class. So as an example text, he had them read and respond to the story in episode four, Kill My Setting. If you don't remember, that piece of writing was descriptive prose for the setting of this novel. So in the class, the kids each wrote a comment for the blog, which Alex has posted on that blog now, and you can go read if you like. Um, They are honestly so nice. And aside from being a fabulous confidence boost, they were great for me to hear what they um, latched onto and wanted more of. Jasmine had an interesting thought. She said, I would like to learn more about the magic in this world and if everyone there enjoys the use of magic or if some people see it as evil or a sin. I think that's a great prompt. Would there be people against magic, even though in this world, unbeknownst to Jasmine, everyone can do magic? I don't know, but I'll think about it. Holly said, I get the idea that the narrator of the story is perhaps in their older years and has a lot of wisdom to share. This makes me intrigued as to see what else they have to say about the newness and the juxtaposing effects it has on the city. I thought this was super interesting as I was just narrating as the author, but it brings up a lot of ideas plot-wise for the rest of the story. How old would you have to be to remember what it was like before the Industrial Revolution sort of period we're talking about? An anonymous student said, 
In your story, it talks about how there was magic for everyday people, which I really enjoyed seeing because it made me feel as if I could be a part of that wondrous world of magic, as I am an everyday person. It made me feel a sense of belonging and like I could somehow relate to the story. This was a very cool comment to receive because it just let me know something I didn't necessarily realize, that readers would be able to recognize themselves in this fantasy setting. One of my favorite comments was from Steph, who said, usually I'm not great at reading things, but I found this easy to stay focused on, and it was easy to read and imagine, which was really nice. That just makes me very happy. And Angel gave the story a 9.6 out of 10, which is a pretty good rating, honestly. In other commenting news, Zane jumped on the episode blog for last week and shared a great idea playing with the magical teaching I mentioned, that there might be followers of a specific magician's style of spellcasting. He said, Listening through this week, I love the idea of competing cults of personality, each following a different guru caster. So there exists the long-established schools of magic, such as your Juilliards, etc., but the new trend is for up-and-coming magic users to form a posse of followers around them. Perhaps it is cheaper than the schools or not as discerning when it comes to students. They could be like street gangs or competing dojos or literal cults, each following their hero magician. Can you imagine Tony Robbins as a wizard leading his followers? I'm obsessed with this idea and it's a great extension of the original thought and it makes total sense people love to put their names on things scientists name things after themselves all the time I mentioned acting techniques last week as a spellcasting comparison all of them are named after the person who devised it it's kind of like the classic idea of a wizard's apprentice on steroids if you have anything you'd like to add to the conversation, you can do this. You can jump over to the blog at Hayden Rogers, that's R-O-D-G-E-R-S dot net slash killmydarlings and comment on the post for the relevant episode. Remember to sign up to email alerts while you're there. Or you're welcome to add your thoughts on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter or Facebook. Just search for Kill My Darlings Podcast and slide into my DMs or comment on a random post like your aunt does on Facebook. If you like emailing more, send it to killmydarlingspodcast at gmail.com. That is a lot of ways to do one thing. So, a cosmological model. What the heck is that and what does it have to do with writing a fantasy novel? It's not as niche or technical as it sounds. In fact, it's actually not niche at all. Every person in the world could tell you about at least one example. And by the way, there is physical cosmology, which is the science version based on facts and philosophy, and religious cosmology based on belief and mythology. Cosmology is a broad term for the nature of the universe. This includes how the world began, how it exists presently, and how it is expected to end. It also includes the spiritual layout of the universe, the heavens, the nine hells, all that stuff. Despite what you might be thinking, there are many examples of cosmology to be found in fantasy novels, and in fact can play a big part. Just think about the Discworld series or the gods in Game of Thrones. Most of you will be familiar with the religious cosmological model of Christianity, as it's very popular in the West. So let's look at that. In the Christian model, God created everything in the universe out of nothing over seven days and the earth will eventually end in fire and return to nothing, and all souls will depart the material world and dwell in either heaven or hell. For a long time, Christians believed the earth was a flat disk, with a heaven above it and a hell below it. 
this was the layout of the universe. In some beliefs, there was also an extra realm of purgatory, a kind of judgment waiting room, which sat outside the material world, but was neither in heaven or hell. This is what I mean by a religious cosmological model. And if you're wondering what physical cosmology might look like, in our world, that's dominated by the Big Bang Theory. A Big Bang started the universe, it expanded and cooled over billions of years to where we are today, and it will continue to do so until all the stars supernova and all those particles cool and the universe becomes an infinite vacuum of nothing. The Earth is round and is held in place in outer space by gravity, and life as we know it evolved to this point and will continue to evolve. For those of you who follow other religions than Christianity, you will be familiar with a different cosmological model. I look at a bunch of examples, including Dungeons and Dragons, in the Appendices episode this week, if you want to get a better handle on it. Plus, it's actually really interesting stuff. At least I think so, but I'm a nerd, so... So what is the cosmology of Whipworld? Well, speaking of Dungeons & Dragons, this was actually inspired by reading the Dungeon Master's Guide for the game. I would recommend reading the Dungeon Master's Guide for Dungeons & Dragons, especially for fans of the game like myself, because though a bunch of it is about game rules, it's also a step-by-step -step guide in creating a world and offers lists of possibilities for the things it talks about, cosmology being one of those things. Chapter 2 is entitled Creating a Multiverse. Now, again, I will talk more about this in the appendices, but the standard version of D&D has a pretty complex cosmology. There's lots of levels and planes of existence and such. I wanted to come up with something that was a bit more simple, a model that encompassed a bunch of those elements in a neat little package. Well, the answer was on a list of alternatives in the chapter, the other world. To quote the guide, in this model, the material plane has a twin realm that fills the role of all the other planes. Much like the Feywild, it overlays the material plane and can be reached through thin places where the worlds are particularly close, through caves, by sailing far across the sea, or in fairy rings in remote forests. It has dark, evil regions, homes of fiends and evil gods, sacred isles, homes of celestials and the spirits of the blessed death, and realms of elemental fury. This other world is sometimes overseen by an eternal city, or by four cities that each represent a different aspect of reality. The Celtic cosmology has an other world, called Tiernanog, and the cosmologies of some religions inspired by Asian myth have a similar spirit world. Now, obviously there's a bunch of things in there relating specifically to D&D rules and creatures, which may not be in my story, but there's also great ideas. Taking the idea of an other world and running with it, I love the concept of a dual realm consisting entirely of magical energy. Or maybe it's just the place it comes from and magic runs wild and free there. Perhaps it mirrors the material world, or perhaps it is tethered to it and infinitely larger. This idea that it overlays the material world and bleeds in fits well with all the other theories I've come up with so far. If the realm was entirely composed of the magical energy we've spoken about, then maybe it sort of exists on its own frequency like some far end of the electromagnetic spectrum, always there but invisible and intangible. To refer to last week's spellcasting episode, magicians would then actually be manipulating the energy of the magical realm, and perhaps even causing it to bleed through. I'm not sure if that's where I want to go with it, but it's something to consider. 
maybe they can only use the energy that has bled through already. Other world concepts have been presented before in other works, of course. A strange land where the laws of physics don't mean anything and the world is always shifting and changing. I'm sure something is coming to mind for you now. It's even kind of like Alice in Wonderland, to a degree. I definitely think it would be possible for human-like species to visit there, and perhaps somewhere in that realm is where your spirit goes when you die. Maybe there's a good place and a bad place. Or maybe our spirits and magic are one and the same, and it simply returns to being part of the magic realm like a spirit world. In particular, this idea of a spirit world stuck with me, and the possibility of spirits playing a part in the natural world. In nearly any pre-Christian religion or culture, the idea that there is a spiritual counterpart to everything, or even just living things in the natural world, was the dominant belief. And in modern, alternative spirituality, the idea of the something more or higher power is usually referred to as an energy that everything has and interacts with, or the mysterious force of the universe. In a world of magic, I love the idea that there could be a physical side to these spirits, or whatever I decide they should be, and in fact, they would be linked to the energy of magic somehow, and its existence in Whipworld. So, like I said before, maybe spirits and magic are one and the same. Or perhaps there are spirits of magic and spirits of nature. Or perhaps they used to be believed to be spirits, but are now, due to scientific research, known to be living creatures born of magic. Either way, I would like the spirits to be walking the earth as creatures in the world. To that end, many of these spirits may be very small beings, equivalent in size and power to birds or mice, and some may be much more powerful, let's say equivalent to a huge dragon or something. In fact, I think some could even be revered as gods or godlike beings. Some cultures may pick out one or a few spirits that they deem the most important and treat them as gods to win their favour. Other cultures may approach the idea more holistically and entreat all spirits, viewing them as just a part of nature. I think the physical presence of these beings creates interesting religious dynamics to explore, even akin to real-world atheism, where facts and science are held above faith, there might be a growing group of people who consider the spirits as a measurable phenomenon. I'm not sure yet what powers these spirits might have, but if they're made of magic, then it could be anything. Are they super-specific? Or maybe they're only elemental? Or perhaps there's no real rules for them? They are beings of magic and therefore limitless potential, hindered only by will or creativity. In case you can't tell... These ideas are still forming for me. I'm kind of throwing a lot of things out there in this episode. So make sure you tell me what works for you. <laughs> Moving on to other parts of the cosmology, an added element I really like is the idea of some sort of in-between place. A layer of reality that is neither in the material world or the other world, while simultaneously being in both. A layer that is perhaps the barrier between the material world and the other world. Some examples of this you may have heard of are soul flight, etheric travel, or astral projection into the astral planes. This is a belief that has existed in basically all parts of the world and religions at some point. I actually find that quite amazing. I just looked this up. Um, it's in the Bible, it's in all parts of the East, it's in Western philosophy, it's in it's in Amazonian culture, Inuit culture, ancient Egypt, wild. 
So in whip world, I'd love to add that layer to the cosmology. In thinking about what that layer actually is, I couldn't help but feel it's connected to dreams. What if dreams were actually a glimpse of this in-between realm? It makes a lot of sense. When we dream, we see things from our lives and experiences that are repeated back to us in distortions and sometimes bizarre variations. That sounds to me like a description of something in between the material world and the other world. However, to actually travel into the dream world isn't as simple as falling to sleep. You would have to learn how to travel as your dream self, to sleepwalk, if you will, and once you're there, you would have to be able to navigate it. Then you might be able to find passages into the other world and slip between them. I also like the idea of an accomplished sleepwalker then also being able to visit other people's dreams. Delivering messages in dreams is a tried and true fantasy trope, really, but I think it's cool regardless, and I could see important people and capital cities and rulers having someone on staff who is able to jump into people's dreams halfway around the world and deliver a message. Daydreaming could also be a way to enter the dreamland, and a nightmare might be an attack from a creature that feeds off pleasant dreams, or a reaction to a storm in the dream world. I'm still playing with some names for these realms, but I'm thinking dream world could be called the slip, the elseways, or the dream layer. I think I like elseways best. Really not sure what else to call the magic realm yet, but it could be called the other side. Though, to be honest, I think that's too mysterious sounding. I don't think people are necessarily wary of the magic world, and people would have visited, so it's not even necessarily unknown. I think it would have a more reverent title. This week's story is an attempt at just writing anything to do with spirits. Honestly, as I've said, I'm not 100% sure where I'm landing on a lot of this stuff, so this was helpful in just putting an idea into words. It's entitled, The Spirit of Truckle Lane. There was a spirit that had moved in at the end of Truckle Lane. Normally, this would not have been of much concern to the nearby residents. A spirit might be spotted flitting overhead or skittering between the trees on any given day. But this spirit had brought with it a strange shift in magic. It had been spotted two nights earlier slinking about in the grove of trees just past the last house on the lane. Mr. Tash, who lived in that house, had said its shimmering form could be seen passing through the trunks that night, casting about a green glow, but he couldn't make out a shape. And besides, he was a little distracted by the unusual plants that had sprouted in his yard as it went by. Enormous mushrooms the size of bar stools, white and plump, shot up all over his lawn in a matter of minutes. Some reached as high as a doorframe, and from his second-story window, he'd almost be able to step out onto the table-like caps. Come the morning, the neighbours all gathered around Mr. Tash's yard, with cups of tea in hand, eager to discuss wild theories about this new resident on Truckle Lane. Young Twill Diggs didn't mind so much, though. While her parents amused themselves with wild theories, she played a game, climbing onto Mr. Tash's fence and leaping onto the oversized heads of the mushrooms. They were like big cushions, and she pretended she was flying through the sky, bounding between fluffy white clouds. 
After a particularly daring leap, one of the mushrooms gave way, sending Twill tumbling to the ground. Twill, stop that at once! Go back home immediately, scolded her mother. She'll anger the spirit further, said Mr. Tash. Shoo, child! We don't know it's upset, Tash, said Twill's father. Go on home like your mother said, Twill. The second night, the spirit at the end of the lane passed by again. Mr. Tash, who could hardly sleep for fear his backyard would also be claimed by giant fungi, saw it all happen. The green glow was cast through the trees once again. Then, a thick vine snaked out of the grove and wound around the house across the street, before blooming in dozens of deep purple flowers, each the size of an umbrella. The next morning, Mr. Tash was waiting by his front gate, tea in hand, for the neighbours to wake up and notice the addition to Mrs. Lauder's cottage. Fortunately for him, Mrs. Lauder's screams of discovery awakened the lane earlier than usual and the discussions began again. We have to do something about this. There's enormous purple flowers growing through my bedroom. Not to mention I had to climb out the dining room window this morning because the vine has blocked my front door. Mrs. Lauder looked close to a nervous breakdown. Her teacup rattled against the saucer, and she didn't seem to notice most of the drink had been slung out of the cup when she wildly gestured at her vine-bound home. We'll have to consider going in and chasing it out, declared Mr. Tash. There were many murmurs of agreement, and a decision was made to hold a meeting that night to discuss what could be done. Twill Diggs, however, was more interested in the beautiful purple flowers. During the conversation, she had made her way over to Mrs. Lauder's house, shimmied slightly up a vine, and plucked a flower. She was now wearing it upside down on her head, like a very broad sun hat. Mr. and Mrs. Diggs, your daughter has picked one of the flowers, exclaimed Mrs. Lauder. She'll upset the spirit even more than yesterday, cried Mr. Tash. Go home, Twill, shouted her father, and take that off your head. That night, the residents of Truckle Lane all met at the Diggs' home to discuss the spirit at the end of the lane. Everyone seemed to agree that someone should go in and speak to this spirit, or, if necessary, scare it off. However, no one was all too eager to put up their hand for the job. Twill, who was supposed to be asleep upstairs, but instead was sitting out of sight on the staircase and listening to the meeting, didn't like their plan. The spirit had done nothing wrong, as far as she was concerned. All it had done was grow things, fun things and pretty things, clouds and hats. She should warn the spirit before someone comes to scare it. Resolved in her mission, she crept quietly down the stairs, avoiding the squeaky spots, and made her way to the front door. Slowly, bit by bit, she twisted the handle and pushed it ajar just enough so she could squeeze out and avoid the creak that she knew would come from opening it too wide. Then she was out in the night, hopping over the low stone wall that encircled their yard instead of opening the gate. Quickly she made her way down the lane, past the dark houses, all the way to the mushrooms, the flowering vine, and the grove of trees at the very end. She called out in a whisper, Spirit, it's me. I need to talk to you. There was silence except for the murmurs of insects and croaks of frogs. Her whispers had barely disturbed the air between the trees. She took a few steps closer and called out again, just a little louder. Spirit, I need to talk to you. She knew that her voice was not reaching far enough. With a glance back at her house, she called out loudly into the grove. Spirit, 
Please talk to me, it's important. She shot a look back at the house again. Surely someone heard that. Quickly, before they come. A faint green glow sparked in the depths of the trees and began moving closer. Twill smiled to herself. She had done it. The green glow wove in and around trunks closer and closer. Twill, get inside at once! The voice of Twill's father echoed down the lane. Twill spun around, seeing him hanging at the door. Then his expression changed from anger to alarm, apparently noticing the glow in the grove moving closer. He leapt out of the house and dashed through the gate. Twill looked back to the grove of trees. She could almost make out the spirit's shape. She had to speak with it. She started running towards it, hearing her father's footsteps hurrying down the road behind her. A crowd was gathering in the yard and Twill's mother wasn't far behind either. Twill, stop! He called after her, but she didn't. In a few moments she had reached the tree line, but her father had almost caught up to her. The spirit was clearer now, moving on all fours, lighting up trees dramatically as it came. Watch out! Her father said as he captured Twill in his arms. The spirit had stepped out of the trees, a sort of wolf-like creature but with incredible gnarled antlers. Its body seemed to be made entirely of roots and vines, and the green glow spilled out from it in a beautiful aura. Twill grinned, thrilled by this creature. Her father clung to her tighter. You wish to speak to me, said the spirit, though it didn't use words so much as you felt what it was saying and understood what it meant. No, please leave us alone, said Twill's father timidly. Then Twill's mother spoke, having paused a few paces behind them. Twill, come here please, sweetie. Twill ignored them both. Yes, I wanted to speak with you, she said confidently. The people living on this lane were going to scare you, but I wanted to warn you. They don't like the nice things you made grow, but I do. I think they're fun and pretty. Thank you, the spirit replied. I agree. They all want you to go, but I don't. I think you're nice and not bad like they said. Twill, we don't think this spirit is bad, her father replied nervously. I think you should stay, spirit. I'll be your friend, Twill continued. You will. I would like that, said the spirit. Yes, me too. But would you mind taking the mushrooms out of Mr. Tash's yard and the vines off Mrs. Lauder's house? It made them really sad. I don't get it, but... I don't want them to scare you away. Maybe, maybe you could put them in the grove so I could still see them? The spirit tilted its head in thought for a moment. Yes, I could do this for a friend. The neighbourhood, now gathered as close as they dared, watched in amazement as the green glow from the spirit started spreading like roots across the ground, crisscrossing over to the mushrooms and flowering vine. At once, the plants began retreating, closing and shrinking down into the earth, until, after a minute or so, they had completely disappeared. Oh, thank you, spirit, said Twill. Will I be able to see them in the grove? You shall, whenever you visit, the spirit replied. But I must go now. I will move on to a new home. Twill gasped, upset by this. No, please stay. I'm sorry they wanted to scare you away. It's not because of that. Don't worry, replied the spirit. It's because this place already has a strong spirit living here. Twill was confused. It does? The spirit nodded, smiling a wolfy grin. 
Yes, it is you. I hope you enjoyed that. As I mentioned, I'm not sure how accurate any of that is going to be to how I'll end up writing about spirits, um, but I thought it was cute. <laughs> so I've thrown a lot out there and feedback will be super useful this week. So now is the time to get out your sharpest darling killing axe and head over to the blog at Hayden Rogers, that's R-O-D-G-E-R-S dot net slash killmydarlings to leave your thoughts on this week's episode. You can also leave your thoughts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. Just search for Kill My Darlings Podcast or find the links for any of these things in the description. If you'd like to email in, send it to killmydarlingspodcast at gmail.com. And if you like this show and you like the stuff I'm doing and you want to show your support, then please consider becoming a patron of Kill My Darlings Podcast on Patreon. Again, just hit the link in the description or search for Kill My Darlings Podcast. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to killing some darlings with you soon. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 